At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Adam Shine Podcast. Ah, yes. Episode 47 of the Adam Shine Podcast. And we are back. And we're back with a strong announcement. We are fired up. The Adam Shine Podcast is now going to be year-round as opposed to solely during the football season. So we are thrilled to be with you. We're going to have a new episode every single week. So you could set your clock to it, your watch to it, your iPhone to it. Bob Stew is going to be with us each and every week. We'll have a featured guest, someone you want to hear from. We'll have a ton of fun, hit the hot topics, what's going on in the NFL, and we'll even expand the conversation to everything going on in sports. So we are fired up to have the Adam Shine podcast all year round now. Special thanks to the great Stevie Cohen, the great Andy King over at SiriusXM, my guy, the great Maury Gostfriend, and Bob, how pumped are you for the Adam Shine podcast all year round now here wherever anyone gets their podcast? Well, I'm pumped, Adam. We can keep the momentum rolling every single week. It's just so much fun doing this podcast. I kind of felt a little empty when we stopped, to be honest. See? So it's nice. I'm glad we're not doing it. We can do some different things on the podcast, a couple of different guests on the podcast that we wouldn't normally have on during the season. I mean, I think it's going to be a blast, Adam. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm fired up. And the last thing we want is for Bob Sue to be empty. So Daniel <laughs> Jeremiah from the NFL Network is the featured guest this week. And obviously, it's his time to shine with the NFL draft coming up in about eight weeks. And they're going to be five first-round quarterbacks and at least four franchise quarterbacks. And we'll talk to DJ about the impact his dad had on his life and career We'll talk to him about the best scouting report he's ever had, the worst scouting report he's ever had, and some can't-miss stuff on the quarterbacks and the targets in the passing attack coming up in the upcoming draft. I do want to start the podcast today with some conversation on Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson absolutely wants out in Seattle. There is no question about it. And this has been a hot-button topic for us on Shine On Sports, on SiriusXM. And it's something I want to stress here as you guys, perhaps on the podcast, hear it for the first time. There is no gray area. There is no ambiguity. Russell Wilson wants outs in Seattle. When Russell Wilson won the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, and then in the ensuing days did an interview with Dan Patrick on his show, and then at a Zoom conference call to reporters after winning the award and threw his offensive line under the bus and fueled speculation that teams are calling about him, that's Russell Wilson telling the world, get me out of the great Northwest. And then when you have his agent on the record 
with Adam Schefter, the number one insider in the National Football League, right? Who covers the NFL. Schefter reports a thing that's gold. This wasn't even a report. They made sure Schefter had it as a vehicle to stimulate conversation and his way out of town. When the agent puts it on the record that there are four teams that he would go to, hasn't demanded a trade or asked for a trade, but hypothetically, if there was one, there are only four teams he would go to. I mean, when he says the Raiders and he says the Bears and he says the Cowboys and he says the Saints, well, that's an oddly specific list of teams for a an agent who says that the client, the quarterback, is not demanding a trade. Let me tell you what's happening here. He gone. Russell Wilson is an ex-Seahawk. It'll either be this offseason or next offseason. But there is a 0% chance Russell Wilson finishes his career in the great Northwest with the Seattle Seahawks. And listen, I feel terrible for Seahawks fans who are frustrated by this. Most of the Seahawks fans who flood our phone lines on Shine on Sports and, you know, interact with me on Twitter at Adam Shine, most of you understand that, you know, he wants out and you're going to deal with it and understand it. You know, a couple of Seahawks fans are on Planet Delusional, but... Listen, I I am rolling with Pete Carroll and John Schneider here. You know, they've given Russell Wilson anything and everything. I mean, can you imagine having DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and wanting out, you know, wanted to improve the offensive line? And, you know, they signed Dwayne Brown. And who – I just think that Russell Wilson has been jealous of the love and attention that Carroll has received, the credit Carroll's received. The defense, the legion of boom through the years, getting more credit than maybe Ross, whether it's Sherman or Cam Chancellor or Earl Thomas or first ballot Hall of Famer Bobby Wagner at the linebacker position. You got to remember, Russ loves Russ. And Russ is a great player. But the whole let Russ cook and Russ didn't get an MVP vote, you know, that's all been something that Russ has, has stimulated. And it's been driven by Russ. And the Athletic had that great reporting that, you know, after Russ had those back-to-back games with the Bills and the Rams, we were turning it over this year left and right. He stormed out of an offensive meeting with the coaching staff where they wanted to run the ball and deflate it and control the clock. By the way, they did so successfully in that game against Arizona, and they won. Listen, Seattle right now, to me, worst team in the best division in the NFL. They are, with Russell Wilson, a fourth-place team in the NFC West. I would rank it the Rams, number one, with Matthew Stafford. I'd put the Cardinals, love that move, with J.J. Watt, number two. The Niners right now, number three, if they get a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. Heck, they could, depending upon the level of quarterback, you know, from Sam Darnold to Russ to getting to Sean Watson, you know, San Francisco with their talent and coaching, and they're going to be healthy. They could even catapult up to number one. Could easily see three teams making the playoffs, winning 10 or more games in the division. I know Seattle won it last year, but a lot of it was flukish. You know, credits the Seahawks for winning all those games, but at the end of the day, let's remember, Jared Goff was a double agent throwing to the wrong team, and Chandler Jones was hurt for the Cardinals, and everyone was hurt in San Francisco. So Russ wants out, and I I think the Bears are really at the top of his list because if you win in Chicago, first of all, the minute he gets traded to the Bears, if that happens, he'll be the best quarterback in Chicago Bear history. That's, that's first and foremost. Russ, the common denominator with these teams and the whole let Russ cook 
and, you know, Russ, woe is me, doesn't have an MVP vote. The common denominator is it's about Russ. He goes to one of these four teams, you're going to be viewed as a god, as a savior. He, he wants to be loved. He wants that conversation. And if it wasn't for the $39 million cap hit, that dead cap hit that they would take if they traded Russell Wilson now, I would guarantee that he was traded this offseason. He, he's going to be traded either this offseason or next offseason. There's been so much behind-the-scenes bubbling for a long time. You know, the Giants rumors a few years ago, the Browns rumors a few years ago, you know, the bad contractual negotiations that turned nasty on occasion. I never viewed Russ as a lifer. He goes to Chicago, best quarterback in Bears history, and he can elevate that team. And even that flawed squad that Ryan Pace has ruined, you know, he could take them and, and make them into a, a team that could win a division, make the playoffs, and make a Super Bowl run. If you ever win in Chicago, I mean, they'll build a statue for you outside the stadium. And listen, Michael Jordan will be the first one to tell you that it doesn't matter what the Bulls or the Cubs or the White Sox or Blackhawks are doing in the great sports town. It's Bears football first and foremost. Obviously, the Cowboys are America's team, and with Dak Prescott not signed, sealed, and delivered, you know that Jerry Jones is thinking about trying to find a way to get Russell Wilson, maybe Dak and the 10th overall pick, and Chicago would have to be three first-round picks plus, maybe this year's second, maybe a defensive ball player. You know, I like Derek Carr more than most, but if he's available, you know, John Gruden is going to be on some kind of Russell Wilson bender just running around the streets of, of Vegas, you know, licking his lips and, and putting his hands together, trying to find a way to trade for Russell Wilson, two first-rounders, and Derek Carr, maybe this year's second-rounder. Listen, it's defense, defense, defense in Vegas, but, you know, they would have to consider that. It is Russell Wilson. And can you imagine in New Orleans what they can do with Russell Wilson replacing Drew Brees? But I think Chicago makes the most sense because that's all about Ross and him being the savior. Sierra's driving that boat, and, you know, certainly Russ is thinking beyond football. It's all about, you know, self-gratification and all about love and self-worth and, you know, football and beyond. So I, I think Russ is done. I think he's going to be traded either this offseason or next. I think Seattle should strike now. You're going to have a lot of these teams fill quarterback needs via the draft now, so you don't want to wait until next offseason. Who knows if Wilson suffers an injury, heaven forbid. So this is the right time to trade Russell Wilson. Seahawks are a last-place team, in my opinion. Not close to the Super Bowl. Break it all down to build it back up that's the way I think they need to attack it in Seattle. But understand, Russell Wilson wants out. You know, this, this is not something that, you know, at the end of the day is is hidden. It's pretty out in the open. And when he says, you know, my pass protection needs to be better, that's those are code words for get me out of, of Seattle. You know, he he's not looking at a good offensive line. Chicago doesn't have a good offensive line. He wants to be in a situation that's about Russell Wilson. So... To me, that makes all the sense in the world, and I know the dead cap money is astronomical, but I I would trade him if I was Seattle because it's self-serving, so beat Russ to the punch and get him the hell out of town. I mean, he's ripping everyone. How How is he going to get back in, in that huddle, in that locker room? Trade him to Chicago or Dallas or Vegas or to the New Orleans Saints. Now, Deshaun Watson 
We're still waiting for Nick Casario to realize that he has to trade the shot. Look, in theory, you would never trade someone caliber Deshaun Watson, but it's crystal clear that he's digging in. And Jack Easterby somehow is still employed here with regards to being someone who's had a spell over Cal McNair and that Texans organization. I The draft is going to be on the 29th of April. That's going to be that Thursday night, round number one. I think they're going to end up trading Watson and trade him to the Miami Dolphins for that number three overall pick for another first-round pick, maybe another first-round pick, and Tua. That, to me, makes a lot of sense. I think the Jets will be in the mix. I think Carolina and Denver will, at the end of the day, just keep giving players and picks. You know, think Christian McCaffrey and first-round picks out the wazoo until Houston says no, but to be able to get Tua and the third overall pick, that would make a, a ton of sense. Bob Stew is a Jets fan. How worried are you that the Miami Dolphins are going to be the team? And I think that's going to be the squad, that the Miami Dolphins are going to be the team that trades for Deshaun Watson. Well, Adam, I'm not worried about the Miami Dolphins right now. I'm worried about my own team. I'm worried about the Jets. What are the Jets going to do at quarterback? It doesn't really matter what the Dolphins do if the Jets don't fix their quarterback situation. You know, they got to get rid of Sam Darnold. You know my opinion on that. It's over for Sam Darnold. Take as many calls as you want, Joe Douglas. I think it is realistic that Watson ends up in Miami, Adam. And, of course, I think the shell shock will be when I see him in that uniform as a Jets fan. Like, I'll just be shell-shocked to hit him there. But it makes all the sense in the world. Miami has the picks. They have the draft capital. Deshaun wants out. To me, it would be a perfect fit for Deshaun Watson. But again, the Jets, Adam, they got to worry about their own quarterback situation. Get rid of Sam Darnold, potentially draft Zach Wilson, and just free agency is so key for the Jets this year. They've got over $80 million in cap space. you got to fix the offensive line. They need Number a new one center. priority. Yep. Yeah, they need a new center. They need another offensive tackle. They need another guard. They need multiple wide receivers. They need a new running back. The Jets have holes all over the place. So if they didn't trade for Deshaun Watson, at least they could use those draft picks to finally fix this team. They have holes all over the place. Uh, Right now, I'm not worried, Adam. But the day I see Deshaun Watson in a Dolphins uniform, I'm going to start to worry. Bob Stew is going to be pushing that panic button like like no other. Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network is the featured guest on the Adam Shine podcast, and it's next here on the pod. Hello, everyone. This is Bruce Murray, and I'd love you to join me on my podcast, Going Long, where every week we talk to the sports stars themselves, like NFL Hall of Famer Brett Favre. I was probably better at baseball than I was football. And the people that love them, like TV legend George Wendt. I thought about changing to be a Cub fan as a career move. And sports casting icon Linda Cohen. I never thought I'd still be doing it at this point in time. You can listen to Going Long every Thursday on the SiriusXM app and wherever you get your podcasts. The featured guest this week on the Adam Shine podcast. He is the absolute best in the business. My guy. From the NFL Network, the great Daniel Jeremiah, where, of course, he is an NFL Network analyst. You can follow him on Twitter at Move the Sticks. And he, of course, is the host of the critically acclaimed Move the Sticks podcast, along with Bucky Brooks. DJ, how are you, my friends? I, I couldn't be better, man. I'm, I'm uh, grinding through players here. I've got a stack of corners I'm watching right now. So it's a, a 
feels like it never ends, man, trying to trying to comb through all this tape. But I love it, so it's fun. This is who you are. This is what you do. You are the best at it. I'm not just saying that because you're on the podcast. You know that uh, we have had a mutual respect, and I've been a fan of your work for a very long time. And we all know the work that you put into it, grinding, studying, watching the film, talking to people, and... Listen, DJ, it's like a national holiday when you put out your your top 50. I mean, everyone goes nuts. I love it. I'm kind of obsessed with it. And your number one is is Trevor Lawrence. And listen, I've had different people in the NFL through the years tell me that he's Andrew Luck or John Elway in terms of a college prospect. How would you describe Trevor Lawrence as it relates to the NFL and the NFL draft? Well, I would say, you know, I can just compare him to Luck because I wasn't around when Elway was coming out. But Luck is the highest grade I've given a quarterback. And I would say Lawrence is right underneath that. I would give Luck the advantage just from a standpoint of the command that Andrew had. And some of that was just, you know, what was put on him by Coach Shaw there at Stanford where, you know, he had, uh, you know, he had three play calls on every play. He had the play. He had an opposite check. He could then check the play entirely. Uh, when you went through there, they told you that when they installed the offense his last year there, that Andrew Luck is the one who installed it. He got up in front of the room as basically wow. the coach and installed the entire offense. So, like, th- that was – I don't know if I'll ever see anything like that in terms of somebody being prepared at that level um, to come into the league. But in terms of just the the, the skills, the raw skill set that, uh, that Trevor has, it's pretty unique, you know, with his ability to really run – um, at that size and, and to be able to make every kind of throw imaginable. And then the thing that him and Andrew have in common is that people rave about him as teammates and leaders and guys. So um, it's pretty good company to keep. Who is your number two quarterback in this upcoming draft? Yeah, I, to, for me, it's Zach Wilson from BYU. Um, and and I say that, and and I think he played the best. The challenge is going to be, differentiating between the guys that played the best versus who are the best players. Sure. Um, so, so that's why this is such a tough one, man. And on, on this side of things, not getting to be around these kids as much, um, even on the media side, we get more access than what we're getting now. Um, so you don't have as much of a comfort level on that end, but I just know when I've watched the tape of their last seasons and you look at Wilson, you know, Fields and Lance, Wilson threw the ball better than than all those guys so that to me is is why I have him there he's a he's a very very talented kid but uh I just throw out there too Adam I mean as we sit right now I don't even know how big he is so I mean we don't have any verified numbers yeah that's a great point I mean is he six one and a half I have no idea I've never seen the kid in person so um it's a weird year buddy it really is And, and with that said Take us through the separation, and I, I'm not going to hold this to you here on, on, on March yeah. 3rd because we're going to get more information. You know, no combine this year, obviously a weird year as we're living in a pandemic and obviously, you know, the college football season. Take us through the differences right now as you see it, DJ, and the separating yeah. factors, Wilson, Fields, Lance. Sure. Uh, Wilson, to me, is the most natural, gifted thrower, meaning any arm angle, any platform. If you're going to go and play a game of horse, except you're going to do with a football instead of a basketball, he could make some throws that the other guy simply can't make, you know, just because of his his just 
natural thrower. I don't know how else to put it. Um, on schedule, off schedule, all that stuff. He's he's just a really, really gifted thrower. So that, to me, is what puts him in the second spot behind Trevor Lawrence. Then you get to a really fascinating discussion between Trey Lance and Justin Fields. Both guys are physically imposing guys. You know, 230 pounds, uh, excellent runners. Um, I think, you know, I don't know if these guys will run 40s. If they did, I, I, I think both of them would run in the four fives. Um, Trey Lance gives you a little bit more of power as a runner, feels maybe a little bit more top speed. But you can do – what I'm getting at is you can run design quarterback run game with these guys. Uh, they can give them seven, eight carries a game. They can handle it. They're built for it, like Josh Allen-type strength. Mm. Um, so that's that's the interesting part about their skill set. Now, when you watch them as throwers, uh, you know, with with Trey Lance – there's some easy misses that don't, that, you know, don't sit well with me. He's got to clean that up, some of the accuracy stuff. But I thought he was an excellent decision maker. I mean, you know, he turned the ball over for crying out loud. 28 touchdowns, no picks. Uh, ended up throwing a pick in his one-game season this year, which was a bizarre situation. But um, he protects the football and makes really good decisions. Um, and then I, I think when you look at, at fields, Fields doesn't have as many of those bad misses. I'd say he's a, he's a touch more accurate. Um, but Fields, to me, wasn't as decisive. Holding the ball, taking some bad sacks, just trying to throw guys open was not really, um, you know, wasn't his strength. And then some of the decision-making, and everybody knows the games. You, you saw the Northwestern game. You saw the sure. Indiana game where the decision-making sure. was not great. So that, to me, was a little bit of the tie that I gave the advantage to Trey Lance. But I think both those guys, if they can get with the right team and fit and scheme I mean I think I think these guys could all be really really good and I think there's going to be teams that are going to be really fired up uh, to get either one of those kids well and that's where I wanted to go with it because to me when I'm listening to your word choice and I talk to people as well I mean I view these guys and they're different levels here DJ but they're franchise yeah. quarterbacks like I view yeah. them as as starting quarterbacks. You draft them. You're a GM. You know, and I think they're all going to end up going in in the top ten of this draft. I mean, Wilson Fields, Trey Lance. If you're a fan of of a team that drafts one of these cats, you're you should be fired up if your team gets one of those guys at quarterback. Absolutely. Um, I, I just think there's they're going to bring an excitement level. Now they're not going to be ready made. You know, throw them right out of the field. And I think. We've had a great example here with Josh Allen over the last year. You know, let's let's put these guys in the oven, not in the microwave. Don't don't be in a hurry to, to issue a verdict. That's a great expression. Them. Give, yeah, give them, a, give them a little bit of a chance here. Um, get the right pieces around them, and uh, and I think you've got a real shot. And so those are the top four for me. And uh, and then you've got Mac Jones, who's a, just another curious, fascinating evaluation. Um, who's right in that mix. Now, I have him. I have their pretty sizable gap between number four and number five where, where you, Jones is. And you've got Mac Jones as your 34th prospect, DJ. Yeah, yeah. And there's people saying he could go in the top ten, and, and maybe he will. Um, but when I watched him, I just didn't see, you know, the uh, the athleticism that you would want where the game is kind of trending and where it's heading. You know, I, I was talking to David Cutcliffe about this the other day from Duke, and I said, you know, is there anything that you've picked up where the game is kind of going, where the game is progressing? Now, this is somebody people aren't familiar. Coach Peyton, Coach Eli, Coach Daniel Jones, and he's you know really kind of a quarterback guru who a lot of people go to train with. Uh, Peyton did, Peyton and Eli did throughout their whole careers in the offseason. 
But he said, you know, I, he watched a lot more NFL football this year than he had in a long time. And he said, I was struck by the number of times on third down uh, with the quarterback's ability to get first downs with their legs and extend drives. And he said, I don't think that's ever been more important than it is now to kind of have that club in your bag. Um, you, you see it. I mean, I see it with Mahomes when we, you know, doing the Charger game, seeing him twice a year every year. Sure. I mean, you get to third and seven, you've got everybody covered. You finally have found a way to cover Kelsey and Tyree kill. And then here goes Mahomes scooting for eight yards and the drive stays alive. I mean, that's, that's, that's depressing when you're on the other side of the ball. And I don't think Mac Jones really brings that to the table um, with, with that mobility. And then I think arm strength wise, it's just okay. But you put him in a team that's picking towards the bottom half of the first round. that has got a really good roster, a place like new Orleans. And he can just sit there and be accurate, make good decisions, and sit back there in a comfortable, clean pocket. I think he can be successful, and I think he you can win. Uh, but I don't think he's equipped to play in the mud right now, and that's kind of the way most of the NFL is is gone. Is you've got to be able to survive in those muddy pockets. Boy, Mac Jones in New Orleans that that would be a, a dreamy kind of fit. Let's let's be honest right there. Now, I smiled broadly when I saw in your top 50 that Kyle Pitts was number three because, look, I know it says Kyle Pitts, Florida, tight end, and some people cringe (laughs) when they see a tight end that high. I mean, DJ, this guy has a chance, especially with the way football is right now. He could be a special, dynamic player right away in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, if you you – had WR next to his name instead of TE, he would still be a top 15 pick. Yep. If, if you never saw any tape of him attached to the line of scrimmage and you only watch the video of him when he's lined up split out, you would say, okay, yeah, that's a top 15 wide top 15 pick is a wide out. This kid just also happens to have the ability to put his hand in the ground and be functional. Like he's not, he's not a killer as a blocker, but he's more than functional. You have to, you, you know, you're going to be able to run the ball a little bit with him in there. He's willing, he's a tough kid. Um, so that is a unique skill set that he possesses. So, um, I, I find it interesting, you know, you have a coach when you're, when you're at a game, you have somebody up in the booth who's got to call out the personnel grouping, right? So you can match personnel. So I know they're an 11 personnel, 12 personnel. I can, I can, you know, radio down to the sideline, make sure we have the right defense in there. They've got, they've got three wide outs in the game, or they've got, you know, one wide receiver, whatever. You've got to communicate that. What this guy does is you can't be right. You can't be right. Whatever personnel group you put out there, you want to go small. I'm going to put him in line. And we're going to run the ball a little bit and he can survive. You want to go big. Good luck matching up with that guy uh, when you split him out. So he is a total, total mismatch player. It's where the game is gone. I laugh at a guy. Like if you watch the Dolphins play, Mike Kosicki in the program has PE next to his name. I, I think the numbers are <laughs> over 90%. I think it might be 95% that he was detached. Like he, he put his hand down. Five percent of the time, yet still gets designated as a tight end. He's not a he's a receiver. (laughs) I love the line on defense. You can't be right. I mean, that's that's it when you're going up against someone like Pitts. You're you're a hundred percent right about that. And if you even assume for a second that he's really more of a wide receiver, you know, you are going to have let's call them pass catchers in your top ten. We've got four. Four pass catchers. Take us through the top three at the wide receiver position. And I'm fascinated to get your take on Smith, who I think is going to be a stud at the NFL level. Let me just say that right now on the record. And as an executive, as a scout, as a GM, 
would the frame scare you? Or you think, you know what, put him in our system. This guy's amazing, and he's going to beat you with his speed and his hands and his dedication. Yeah, he doesn't uh he doesn't worry me at all. I mean, I to me it's it's kind of a flavor thing with these top guys and I have them all way up there as you mentioned. Yep. And it's kind of what you're what you're looking for a little bit. To me Jamar Chase is the is the best overall. He's he's just so strong, so physically strong. We we talk about usually two types of wide receivers, right? You've got the separators and then you've got the contested catch guys. So, like DeAndre Hopkins is not a great separator, but he's a, he's the best uh, you know, contested catch receiver in the league. So he piles up numbers. You watch Stephon Diggs, he can separate. Like, that's a different ty- different style of receiver. The thing that makes Jamar Chase kind of unique is that he can do both. He can win on the 50-50 balls. He can break tackles. He can play big, even though he's only, you know, 6-1. And then he also has the ability to separate from people with his quickness off the line at the top of his route. He's just a, he's a phenomenal player. So he's my top guy. Uh, after him, I've got two Alabama kids, and they're really close to each other. Um, I have Jalen Waddle. He's just got a different gear um, that he can access. And a lot of times with guys with that type of juice, you have to sacrifice on the route running. I thought he, especially early this year when you watched him when he was healthy, you saw him make strides in that area where he's he's showing you some polish to go along with just he's the fastest player. He'll be the fastest player in the draft. Um, so you get all that juice. And then you also have some return ability as well. And then Devontae Smith, yeah, look, he's skinny. He's got a wiry frame, but he is he is so long. I love him. Um, he can he can play above the rim. He is a pristine route runner. Um, I was talking to one of our mutual friends. I won't give him up here on the on the on the show, but he he had made the comparison to Isaac Bruce, and I thought, you know what, that's a great. Oh wow. Just, Silky, silky, smooth, skinny guy. You know, Marvin Harrison's been a name you've seen out there. Um, but uh, that's that's pretty good company. I've even heard somebody that I was talking to in the league said, you know, I think on the low end, like worst, worst, worst case scenario, you, you got Keenan McCardle. Keenan McCardle was a heck of a player, by the way. Absolutely. He's a really good player. That's the yeah. floor. That's yeah. The floor. Yeah. I think he's going to be a dynamic player. I think he's going to be fantastic. DJ, you've been doing this at such a high level and, you know, the way you grind and even, you know, dropping that nugget, which I'm going to have to find out after after we tape who who the mutual friend is. I have some guesses, but I'll have to find out after. <laughs> so I'm curious, give me throughout your history working at the NFL Network, the call you've made in terms of a player and a scouting report that you're most proud of and one, and look, it's not an exact science, that oh, you'd yeah. love to have back and take back. Well, the way this always works in evaluation is you, I can think of 50 that I'd like to have back, right? Like, that's the first thing that comes to your mind. It's like, oh, sure. geez. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, top of the list. I mean, I just, just whiffed on that one. Um, you, know, did, you know, I thought he was a boomer bust player uh, with a tremendous ceiling and, and some risk. And man, he, he, his credit, I give, you know, we talk about the fit and, and how great the supporting group is there in terms of development, the players, but give Pat the credit for the work that he made, you know, fundamentally from that one year uh, to, to be able to, to tap into all that talent and to clean up everything he had to clean up within one year and, and really just be the most dominant player in the league. So that's, that's the one I'd love to have back. Um, the good calls that you make, those are tougher to remember. I mean, 
guys that went later than I than I thought they should have that I had big grades on. Um, you know, I can go back to Keenan Allen. Um, you know, was a, was one of one of my top twenty players in the draft. I think he went in the third round. Keenan Allen's a great one, and he's really become. Yeah. He doesn't always get enough credit for it. He is a great wide receiver. I mean, if you're into like 100 catches every year and, and, being, and, and being the best receiver in the league on third down, if that's your thing, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah no, he's pretty good. Um, DK was another one where I get, had him in my top 20, and he ended yes, up going did. Up in the 60s was a good one. Uh, uh, you know, some of these can be a little injury-related, too. But like Grady Jarrett was in my top 50. He went in the fifth round. and He's uh, you know been a really good player, so – but again, Sean, like the ones that <laughs> the ones that jump out are just like, oh man, I would like to have, I would like to have that one back. Those those are the ones that jump into your mind. And some of the ones too that you have you had good conviction on, like you really liked them, but you just needed to summon a little more courage to even push them up higher. Uh, yeah, those are the things that end up bugging you. It's funny you mentioned Mahomes because I quote this line all the time. We have you on all the time, usually twice a draft process around the combine, which is now, you know, in theory, and then right before the draft. And I'll never forget this. Right before the 2017 draft, you are on the radio show from Indianapolis, and I ask you an open-ended first question about the buzz in Indy. This is in February of 2017, and your response the USC quarterback talking about Sam Darnold for next year. And I give you that to give you this. I, first of all, agreed with you and a lot of people in terms of how special Sam could be. I think I can't say he's played well. I think a lot of it has been circumstantial and not enough around him and coaching and now, I mean, as we tape, you know, our guy Joe Douglas is saying, yeah, he'll answer the phone on, on Sam Darnold. Listen, I still think he can play. What's your take on Darnold's first three years? What's next? And if it's not New York, DJ, does he have a great fit elsewhere in terms of a potential trade with Sam Darnold and the Jets? Yeah, it's a tough situation. I mean, I think if you were – you know, in, in year one, you know, coming off year one with Sam and, and you kind of looked at the financials of that rookie contract and you had, okay, yeah, we're going to, we're going to definitely stick with him and go forward because we believe in his ability. I still believe in his ability as you do. Yep. Um, The challenge is it's not just that it's now we're going to have to commit one year from now, major, major financial resources, um, to Sam, which is going to come at an opportunity cost of what you could have done with that money elsewhere. Um, you know, so if you, if you draft a quarterback, you start that clock over, you free up a lot of money at that position, which you can use elsewhere. So I know people have kind of said, well, with Sam, if you keep Sam, you get that you gain the number two pick, right? Well, there's also the other side of it is if you trade, if you move on from Sam, you're going to replace him with that number two pick. I get that. But now you're going to get something back for Sam. So you're going to get that, whatever that is. And then you're going to have the next four to five years of a major financial difference to be able to go out and get free agents with that money. So it's, it's, it's a kind of a complicated way of saying it's not an easy decision that Joe Douglas is bet with here. It's going to be very interesting, and I would have to imagine that there would be a market for Sam Darnold because a lot of people agree with what we're both saying in terms of the talent. 
you know, whether it's oh, San yeah. Francisco or Washington or Chicago, you know, I don't know if Joe would trade him uh, to New England. But I, but I, I would not hold your breath on that. I, no. I would say Washington to me. Um, San Francisco, if I'm Sam, I want to go to San Francisco. 100%. I could see, I could see Washington maybe having – Washington's got their, their foot to the fire a little bit more than San Francisco does. San Francisco went to the Super Bowl with the guy they got playing quarterback right now. So, like, like him or not, they, they can win. Uh, Washington doesn't really have that right now. So, I would think if you're looking at who would give up the most compensation, um, I would say Washington would be my leader in the clubhouse there with Sam. I think that'd make a lot of sense for, for Washington. Your dad is is really remarkable, and, and I know the impact he's had on your life and your career, and also, DJ, in the lives of, of so many. How would you characterize the impact that your dad has had on your life and your career? Oh, it's, it's been everything. Um, and, you know, for those who don't know, my dad's a, he's a pastor in San Diego, and he's got a He's got a national uh, radio and television ministry, and he's written over 100 books. And uh, But he's, you know, obviously from all the dad stuff, right? He said all my games, you know, even through college, I think he only missed a couple games. He would take red eyes um, to get back in order to preach on Sundays after watching me play on the East Coast on Saturdays. That's awesome. Um, so he was always there for, for that stuff, which was which was awesome. But then even, you know, I owe a great deal to him professionally because – um, you know, he had known Chris Mortensen. Um, Chris Mortensen had listened to my dad on the radio for years and had, uh, and then introduced himself to my dad. And so that through my dad, I got to meet Chris and, in kind of my beginning, uh, of my media career, really right out of college, the year after college, Chris had helped me get hooked up with, uh, with Sunday night football and kind of the production side and, um, got me in it, my foot in the door there, uh, because of my dad's relationship with Chris. And then, uh, everything kind of went from there, but uh, he's always been just, you know, supportive as, as you can, as you could ever imagine from a dad. So I would not be anywhere uh, near where I am right now uh, if it wasn't for him. I love hearing that. And I'm very close with my dad, who's you know very impactful and influential in, in my career and doesn't miss anything. So I, I love hearing that. DJ, final question. Would you rather go 32 for 32 on a first round mock or see your San Diego Padres win the world series. Oh, uh, come on. I'd rather, I mean, I, just to get, I take the Padres just to get to the world series over 32 over uh, to 32. I, I've never been more excited about a baseball season. I mean, this is uh, it, it's so fun. I feel like maybe this is what the, the fans of the golden state warriors felt like when they kind of started seeing that team come together, you know, a Ooh, few years back. What a comparison. Like, not, I love that. Are, not only are they going to win, it's just going to be so dang fun to watch. Yeah. And Tatis has that Steph Curry-like quotient, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. He brings his star power and fun. He just brings energy and fun. And I, I've, I've always been a proponent of believer. Andy Reid taught me this when I was with the Eagles. He always talked about everybody that you draft or bring into the building, they either bring energy or they suck energy. So think about that when you're bringing in free agents and drafting guys. They're they're one of two. They're one of the two. And in baseball, 162 games as long as that is, man, you got to have some energy givers on that team. And when this guy just happens to be the energy source and he's the best player, uh, that's rare. It is rare, and it doesn't get any better than that. And I think the Padres, they're going to lead the league in fun. Unfortunately, I do think the Dodgers are still the team to beat, but those 18, 19 games, I mean – 
They're going to be rock'em, sock'em this year, and I can't wait for it. And I wouldn't bat an eye if the Padres did beat the Dodgers and did get to the World Series. DJ, you are the best, my friend. I always love listening to you. Your podcast is great. Watching you, of course, on the NFL Network. Enjoy this time during the draft process, my friend, and we'll talk to you again real soon. I appreciate you. I'll probably end up overgrading Paulson and Debo, the Stanford corner, who I've been watching throughout our conversation because I so enjoy (laughs) talking to you, Shine, that I probably end up overgrading the Stanford corner. See, and now we'll have to pay attention to that. We'll see you on the next top 50. If the grade's a little too high, we, hey, we know the podcast is responsible. Thank you, DJ. Blood is definitely on my hands. Uh, you are the best, my friend. I'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks, bud. Thank you for listening to another incredible episode of the Adam Shine Podcast. Daniel Jeremiah, the best in the business. Bob Stu, incredible. Thanks to our listeners, of course, on SiriusXM, our listeners on Pandora, our listeners on Apple Podcasts, and with Stitcher. We record the Adam Shine Podcast all year round, so please hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can always catch me every weekday on my SiriusXM radio show, Shine on Sports, which airs from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on SiriusXM, Man Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. This is the Adam Shine Podcast. For more from Adam Shine, listen to Shine on Sports on Mad Dog Sports Radio, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.